You are listening to Help for HD Live, the first podcast created for families living with Huntington's and juvenile Huntington's disease. Don't forget to find us on iTunes, Blog Talk, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. You can also search over 500 archived episodes and other projects at helpforhd.org. To watch us in person, find Help for HD TV on YouTube and subscribe and ring the bell for notifications on new content. Help for HD Live is going on air in 5, 4, 3, 2, Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to Help for HD Live. This show is made possible due to an educational grant from Teva Pharmaceuticals and the Griffin Foundation. I'm your host, Lauren Holder, and today um, we have Dr. Irina Antonovich of Triplet Therapeutics on. Um, I'm going to call her Dr. Irina, if that's okay, because I'm terrible with her last name. Uh, <laughs> this is a, the part two of a series that we've done on Triplet Therapeutics. Um, and we're going to delve more into Shield HD. Um, so if you have not listened to part one, you can go back and find it on any one of our other podcast platforms, such as Spotify, iHeart, iTunes, and blogtalkradio.com. The link to the podcast can also be found on our Help for HD International Twitter page and our Help for HD Live Facebook page. Irina, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Lauren, for having me, and thank you for introducing me and for pronouncing my name very well. <laughs> Thanks for bearing with me through that and, and letting me ask how to say it. <laughs> so I wanted to give just a little bit of information of, of your um, involvement with Triplet Therapeutics. You're the chief medical officer, correct? Yes. Okay, and you've actually worked in you Huntington's for a long time. Correct, yes. I have um, started to work in Huntington's disease, but really as a neurologist in the 90s, um, we didn't have a clinic specific for Huntington's disease, but we saw many neurological patients with movement disorders. But then really more seriously, when I was medical director at CHDI in 2009, um, 2009-2010, I was at CHDI, and I got really involved, of course, with Huntington's disease and have really had the fortune to remain involved since these days. Uh, to whichever company I went to, I remained involved in some drug development projects that had a potential to bring new therapies to patients with Huntington's disease. Awesome. And it seems like right now there's a lot of excitement in the field. So what, what do you think is driving that? Yes, I think it is actually wonderful to see that this field has been really transformed uh, over the last, I would say, at least five years. I would say several things. One, of course, very exciting aspect today is that we have clinical trials even a later stage clinical trial that really explores a totally new way of treating Huntington's disease by targeting the mutant Huntington gene or the um, resulting protein. So when I was at CHDI, this was considered the holy grail. But on top of that, today we have this, I call it explosion of new science 
that really has led us even beyond the mutant Huntington gene and has shown us that there are aspects to it we didn't really take very seriously 10 years ago. And this is what we call somatic instability of the mutant Huntington gene. And this means that if somebody inherits a certain repeat length, this repeat length actually increases over the lifetime of this individual. And so we call this somatic expansion or somatic instability. And um, investigators like Jim Guzella, whom I call the godfather of Huntington's disease because he was part of the team who identified the mutant Huntington gene in 1993, um, he has shown us these genetic modifiers that influence the somatic instability and really drive the, the severity of the disease. Um, and I think this is new science that changes the way we, we, we look at Huntington's disease um, and also how we could potentially treat Huntington's disease. And what is really another really scientifically speaking, very intriguing aspect is that while this is true for Huntington's disease, it is also true for other diseases. We call them DNA repeat expansion diseases, myotonic dystrophy, spinal cerebellar ataxias, many others. There are more than 50 known today. And so Huntington's disease is really like a trailblazer for this new approach of how we can understand the disease but also treat the disease. I think it's an exciting time. I agree. It's absolutely an exciting time. I'm so excited about everything that's coming up. Um, you know, I was talking with Dr. Birmingham about how, you know, I've tested positive for HE. I tested when I was 20 and I'm 34 now. So to hear what has been up and coming in the past five years and to hear what triplet therapeutics is doing is just so exciting for somebody like me who's pre-manifest um, and who has kids, uh, one who is at risk. Um, so it, it's just an exciting time right now. Um, you personally joined Triplex Therapeutics last year. What drew you there? Correct. So I have, as I said, since 2009, always worked in drug development for Huntington's disease. But I have always followed, like, the science. And so in my job before triplet, I got really intrigued by the somatic expansion of this mutant Huntington gene. And since Huntington is a passion for me, and I really am very passionate about new science and new science that can actually transform the way we treat individuals with a disease. I, when I was approached by triplet, I felt this was like a dream come true. So it is the most fascinating science. It is the disease I deeply care about. It offers the possibility to treat other diseases that I also very much care about with the same approach. And then when I met the team at Triplet, it is a great culture. It has this can-do attitude. A challenge is really just something that we all know we will overcome. We are all as individuals empowered by, by Ness and Birmingham. Um, but we are also held to a high standard. He wants us to be very critical of the science that others produce, that we produce. But then also as we move towards a potential drug that we want to take into patients, 
he really asks us to be very critical of the data we generate and make sure that we are really solid in the data and our understanding of what we want to give to humans. And this is sometimes tough, but it is also very rewarding because we, we really feel this passion at everybody at Triplet that we can do this together and we will deliver great therapies for patients. Now, as the uh, chief medical officer, one of your first big initiatives was to launch the SHIELD HD Natural History Study, which I'm very interested in hearing about. Can you tell us yeah. about that study? Yes. So, um, so we are, of course, also very happy that we were able to launch the study just very recently. We had our first uh, patient enrolled in May. Um, so this study is um, a natural history study, which means that there is no drug involved. So we are just studying patients. We want to include 60 patients, and we are studying them over up to two years with visits that are initially a little bit more frequent, and then every six months in the second year. And we have developed novel assays to measure um, some of these genetic modifiers that are the basis for our therapeutic approach. So we are measuring those in the cerebrospinal fluid, but also in blood. So we're including some novel measurements, but then also some um, existing measurements, such as biomarkers like MRI imaging or neurofilament light. But we are also looking at a um, slightly different group of patients than um, many of the other studies. We are looking at the pre-manifest patients, so maybe like you could be a trial participant. So we are looking at individuals who really have not yet reached the motor manifest, full motor manifestation, but maybe have some um, signs or symptoms um, that we can measure with you know, clinical tests and, 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 and different tests and different rating scales um, that we can measure over time together with the biomarkers. So this study is an international study in the U.S., in Canada, in the U.K., uh, Germany, and France. Uh, we have currently launched sites in the U.S. and Canada. And we will be measuring these different outcomes over time and patients will have the opportunity to um, go into our phase one clinical trial should they meet eligibility criteria and be interested in doing so. But the study is designed in a way that um, these um, individuals participating in SHIELD HD can enter phase one. Um, and the advantage from a clinical development perspective uh, with this is that we can use an individual during the SHIELD HD phase without any treatment and then compare the change of some of these outcomes that we are measuring during this period compared to a period on treatment. And this can be statistically a very powerful tool to evaluate an effect of a therapy. It's amazing. And you just actually alluded to this. So it's unusual in that it focuses on people who are pre-symptomatic and have early manifest disease, um, as most natural history studies focus more on the advanced disease. Why is it important yeah. to study people who haven't yet developed many symptoms? So I think I would say there are two main reasons. One main reason for me is that 
when I listen to patients, um, I hear that they do report changes that occur well before they have full motor manifestation. So I think when we think of the pre-manifest disease stage, it is not a stage that is necessarily asymptomatic. So there might be signs and symptoms. And this tells us as clinicians and researchers that there are already changes taking place in the brain. And as we think of our approach and from some post-mortem studies, in patients with HD, we also know that some of these changes, the somatic instability, the somatic expansion, the elongation beyond the inherited length of the CAG repeats in the mutant HDT gene, this occurs many years before the full motor manifestation. So we think that by intervening early, we could rescue more neurons and really have ultimately hopefully a greater therapeutic benefit. But because these signs and symptoms can be measured, and we're including some novel tools like a um, cognitive battery that was specifically developed for the pre-manifest disease patients, um, we think that we can also measure really clinically an impact of an intervention. And so this is why we decided to include those individuals in our SHIELD HD trial and then hopefully also in our clinical intervention trial. So exciting. Um, and I am so looking forward to this. Um, you know, that's one of the reasons I love doing this podcast because this is something that we can get out to the HD community to get involved, um, especially those of us who are um, considered pre-manifest. And, um, you know, this is the way for us to get involved, and things are moving towards that for us to be able to get involved in this stuff, and I just love it. Um, yeah. So what are the different ways you're measuring progression of disease with SHIELD HD? So... We um, are using a cognitive battery. It's called the HD Cab, the uh, cognitive battery specifically developed for pre-manifest as well as early manifest, but predominantly pre-manifest um, patients with HD. It was developed in collaboration and discussions with the FDA. So there is a consortium that includes regulators such as the FDA and scientists and companies. And um, there's one particular neuropsychologist, Julie Stout, who has been developing this battery for a long time. And when I was at CHDI in 2009, it was already included in a, a natural history study at the time run by CHDI. And so this has never been tested um, with, or not, never been really reported in the context of an intervention trial, even though I believe there is a trial ongoing that um, is testing it, and I think the IONIS trial might have also included it initially. So we are using this cognitive test battery, and it's really a performance test. And so this is um, something that does not require the physician or the investigator to assess a patient, but it is actually the individual who performs this test. And 
some of these tests are trickier than others. And I know from patients that they don't like this test very much because it can make you feel as if you are not doing so well because obviously you notice maybe when you take longer for um, something to solve or to, to find the right answer. But it is very important because it is a snapshot in time and it is a test, so it's really more objective than, for instance, a rating scale. Um, and I just want to reassure every um, patient who does this test that every even an individual not considered a patient, nobody does perfectly well on this test. They are designed to be difficult, but they give us a very good um, a data set on an individual at a given time and thus allow us to measure changes over time, even over a shorter period of time in a progressive disease such as Huntington's disease. Well, and I think that's a very good point in itself. You know, I've participated in observational studies, um, enroll HD, things like that, some others. And, um, yeah, of course, absolutely frustrating when you go in and you're, you start doing all of these tests and you go, oh, my gosh, I'm not doing as well as I was expecting I do or I didn't do it fast enough. And you, you put this unrealistic goal on yourself um, while you're sitting there trying to do this and wondering if you've got symptoms because you're not performing at like a genius level or faster than the speed of light. Um, and, and the thing is you can't do that. Um, because as you said, um, nobody performs perfectly on them and, um, that they're a great way to gauge a baseline and then go from there. And um, and that's something that I really, every time I go into a study, I have to remind myself, you know, this is a very, very important no matter how frustrating it is. And I've got to stop and kind of slow myself down and go, okay, stop questioning yourself and whether you have symptoms, they've got to, you know, there's got to be a baseline somewhere. Um, yes. And that, you know, even, even for people without Huntington's. <laughs> so... Uh, absolutely, you know, remember. And, and I I performed some of these tests, and I'm definitely not doing very well either. You know, it also depends sometimes on the time of day. There are different factors, but absolutely, and I would encourage every patient who enters a trial, do your best, but know that this is it's a moment in time that assesses you at this given time, and it just helps us researchers and clinical scientists to really measure these changes in the best possible way and it contributes to the science overall and helping us find better treatment. So thank you for participating in trials, Lauren. Oh yes, I think that trials and studies are so important. Um, without these observational studies uh, and especially focusing on this um, the pre-manifest stage, um, I think it's so important because, one, it's not a place that we've looked at so much. You know, we, we focus a lot mm -hmm. on already symptomatic or you've begun symptoms but not the pre-manifest, and it's so important for us to look at that. And without looking at all aspects of HD in that way, we're not going to find that early treatment to help make quality of life better. Um, so I'm very excited about SHIELD HD. I'm very excited about what Triplet is doing. Um, and, you know, thank you so much for all the work that, that you're doing with us.
Well, we are excited um, to be part of the HD community, and I can tell you that we have a lot of individuals who express exactly what you just said, that they're interested in participating in Shield HD because it includes pre-manifest individuals. And so we really do hope that we can deliver a therapeutic that um, can be used in this disease stage. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Triplet hasn't yet started clinical trials. What can you tell us about plans for enter entering the clinic? So we um, use Shield HD to help us design the best clinical trial with an intervention. We plan for that in 2021. And Shield HD is so important for us because it will help us assess the these outcomes that I mentioned, some of these um, cognitive tests, but then also some of the biomarkers, and also the different groups of patients that we are studying in SHIELD HD to really um, design the best possible phase one clinical trial for the best way of assessing within this phase one clinical trial and the extension that we plan to do, whether our approach has the intended um, therapeutic effect. And so while it is a phase one study where we will be, of course, looking for safety and tolerability, which is the standard in a phase one clinical trial, and we will be testing different doses. We will start at a lower dose and then increase the dose levels to find a dose that has good safety and tolerability, but also engages our target. And we will be doing this using some of these novel biomarkers that we are developing. And we will then, we plan then to um, extend the treatment at this dose level that was safe and well tolerated and showed us that we engaged the target and will continue over, we think, about 12 months so that we can actually conclude on the therapeutic potential. And because we will have Shield HD, it will really allow us to look at some of these outcomes over time before treatment so that we really design the best possible treatment trial. And um, at the same time as we are thinking of Huntington's disease, we are also engaged with an academic consortium on a myotonic dystrophy study. Um, and we are also discussing spinocerebellar ataxia studies with investigators. So because we have a broader range of indications, but Huntington's disease will be our first intervention trial. If there were one important message that you could convey to the HD community, what would it be? Say there is a lot of excitement for very good reasons. We see different therapeutics being taken into the clinic, different approaches. And I think this is great to see that um, patients can participate in different trials. Um, and I think trials, even we all know that clinical development is difficult. Um, we do also know that if there are more trials, there is more uh, chance for a new therapeutic to work out. Um, and so I think um, it is a great time for Huntington's disease because we have learned a lot over the last many years. And I think we have now reached a point where we will probably still learn much more over the next 10 years, but I think we have understood some core concepts of the biology 
which explains some of the variability of the disease also between one individual and another, even with the same inherited repeat length, such as these genetic modifiers. And I think so, we are now bearing the fruits of this research by transforming this research into drug development trials. And I think um, this is an exciting momentum. And Huntington's disease is really a trailblazer for some of these other repeat expansion diseases. And so the HD community has to be thanked for that and can be proud of that. Absolutely. Now, how can the HD community get involved in what Triplet is doing? Uh, I think the HD community has already done a lot because they participated in many trials. I think you mentioned Enroll HD. This is a wonderful platform that allows us, for instance, to utilize also the Enroll HD clinical data. Um, we work with statisticians who can mine this data to help augment our own clinical trial data, which is wonderful because we make use of this existing data. So I can only encourage um, families and individuals to participate in Enroll HD. Um, it's a very, very great resource for all drug developers, uh, but also participating in intervention trials. And of course, each individual has to decide for themselves, you know, what kind of trial they want to be part of. But I think um, this is so important for all of us to really get this trial data and be able to make these decisions whether to continue a therapeutic approach based on clinical data. Of course, animal data are very important, but it's ultimately the clinical data um, that drive us. And you know, the HD community has really paved the way for this genetic modifier studies. This is based on Enroll HD and DNA samples in Enroll HD and providing us with this new scientific insights. So I think if the HD community continues to do that, um, this will be a really important contribution to HD, but as I mentioned, for other indications as well. Well, Irina, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Um, I, it has been a pleasure talking with you, and I look forward to everything that you and Triplet are doing. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure for me as well to speak with you and we would be delighted to come back when we maybe have made some progress that we that you think and we think is relevant to report on and I just want to encourage you and any other individual who is interested SHIELD HD is listed on clinicaltrials.gov um, we also have a way to reaching us uh, we have an email listed there and of course our website provides some information we are on Twitter, so and if you reach directly to um, Triplet, so it's um, trials at tripletx.com, it's either or myself who will reply to all of these inquiries, and I promise we will reply. So please never hesitate to contact us if you have any questions. Thank you so much, Irina. For our listeners, please remember you can find us on any one of the following platforms on Spotify, iHeart, iTunes, and blogtalkradio.com. The link to the podcast can also be found on our Help for HD International Twitter page and on our Help for HD Live Facebook page. 
thanks again for joining us and have a wonderful and blessed day. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to visit www.help4hd.org and sign up for our email newsletter to stay up to date on all that is going on at Help for HD. Get social with us and like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and subscribe to Help for HD TV on YouTube and ring the bell for notifications. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.